God is good? And all the time? And glad that you are here this morning. And I just want to say thank you for being here. Some of you are maybe new to Hallmark. My name is John, and I'm blessed to be the pastor here. And uh, so I want to ask you to pray for us. As that video was talking about, we are uh, many of us that are, uh, well, there's going to be 15 of us on this hike. And uh, nine of us, our goal is to complete the entire 230 uh, miles. And so we'll actually start hiking uh, probably 7 o'clock Tuesday morning. And so you can follow us on social media and kind of keep up with what we're doing. And uh, so I, I just wanted to mention for a second uh, before we kind of get into the message and maybe mention a little more about uh, manna is that uh, I, I just want to say um, to all, how many of you kids are just really excited about school? How many parents are excited about school? Yeah. I told somebody the other day, you know, we're kind of in this, uh, you know, I'm in a weird stage of life because uh, we have a son that just graduated from college. Our daughter is a sophomore in college, and they were home this summer. And uh, then as they were preparing to go back, uh, you know, we're in this weird stage. Like, I miss them when they're gone, but I'm glad for them to leave. Are you guys, it's kind of like school, you know, like... I love summer and kids being home, but then we're ready for them to go back. All right, I'm kids, we're going to give you another chance. Surely at least one of you is excited to be at school. How many of you kids are excited about school? All right, we got four, maybe, maybe four. And uh, so kids, what I want you to do is uh, I want you to look around, kids, look all around the auditorium this morning, and you see a lot of green shirts, okay? It looks like this section needs some green shirts in it, okay? So if any of you in this section are not serving in kids' ministry, we could always use some more people willing. But kids, look around. All these green shirts, of course, some of the kids are wearing them this morning as well. These are our volunteers here at Hallmark that volunteer to invest in kids' ministry. And the reason they're investing in kids' ministry is not just to get out of big church. Uh, it is because they see the value in investing uh, into the future generations. Um, and we understand that um, it's important, and all the statistics talk about how important it is for kids to make a decision before they get to age 18 to really follow Christ and, and to really how it's going to direct the rest of life. And so, kids, when you look around, you see all these adults wearing these green shirts. What I want you to know is that these adults love you, they care for you, and they're praying for you. And let me be real honest, even the ones who are not wearing green shirts love you, and they care for you, and they're praying for you. Amen? Amen. All right, so you have a, a faith community here that loves, loves families, as Pastor Dave already mentioned. And I want to say a big welcome to Veronica Delgado. She's a new principal at Dallas Park. Could we give Veronica a hand? She's sitting right here at the front with Allison. And uh, she's got her grandson with her this morning, so we're glad that they could come. And, and of course, we love to partner with our schools. Uh, Allison and Carlos do a great job in our family ministry, partnering with, with our schools. And on that note, uh, I believe September the 18th, we're having a training here at the, at the, in the Family Center. September 18th, mark your uh, calendars for that, for Read to Win. So Read to Win is a program that we, we got involved in last year where we get to go into the school and we get to read to kids there in the library or the cafeteria. And uh, last year I got to read to three different kids over here at Hargrave Elementary School. You can kind of set your own schedule, your own time. You just need to be trained for it, okay? Um, and trust me, if I can do it, you can do it, okay? 
But I uh, appreciate you guys being here this morning. I appreciate your prayers. So uh, I see Andrew. Andrew, not everybody knows Andrew. Andrew, would you wave to us? He's over here in the atrium. Everybody look awkwardly at Andrew. Okay. And uh, Andrew has been a member of Hallmark, I was thinking this morning, almost 20 years now. And, um, and, and Andrew is one of the vice presidents of Mano Worldwide. And he's the one that uh, wrote me into doing this hike. And it was kind of his brainchild. And so be, be in prayer for us as we, we fly out tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. And uh, then we will be starting hiking on Tuesday. And so maybe you don't know about this hike. It's the first time to hear about this. We are, we are hiking the John Murrah Trail. So you can look it up uh, if you would like to. But it's, we're going to be hiking over 230 miles. It's going to take us 17 days. We're going to average about 13 and a half miles per day. I think our shortest uh, day of walking is seven miles. Our longest day of walking is 23 miles. And in these 17 days of hiking, we will not have a restroom, a shower, a kitchen, <laughs> anything, all right? So pray for everyone around us, all right, for that. But... On this hike, there's over 47,000 feet of elevation gain. So almost every single day, we'll be climbing or passing another mountain pass, about 2,000 feet of elevation gain, and then back down to get to another valley. And so what I want to ask you to do is pray for us. But, but the question that I seem to get a lot is, why would I do this? Other than people know I'm, I'm maybe a little not all there. But why would I, why'd I do this? And, and let me give you some reasons why we're doing this and why MANA does what they do and why Hallmark is behind MANA. Every eight seconds a child dies from drinking water. Think about that. Every eight seconds. Every ten seconds a child dies from hunger-related diseases. Every eight seconds and then every ten seconds. Hunger is the number one cause of death in the world. It, it kills more than, than AIDS, malaria, and tuberculosis combined. Hunger. 50% of the world tonight will go to bed hungry. 56%. So why would we do this? And, and again, it's just an opportunity for us to bring awareness to this need. That people all over the world are dying of hunger. Uh, and, and here in America as well. And so this, this hike, if you donate to the hike, uh, you're not donating to anybody that's hiking. All that money is going directly to Manon. It's going to fund three different projects. Uh, it'll fund a new orphanage uh, in, in uh, Guatemala, a new feeding center in Tijuana, Mexico, uh, and then also the backpack program that goes on in the United States. And, and let me just throw this out as I'm thinking about this. Um, I, I think it would be awesome for Hallmark to have a backpack program here in one of our local schools. And so if, if maybe God just triggers something in your mind, like I could help do that, uh, talk to me, okay? Uh, you'll probably have to wait till we get back from the hike, but talk to me about that. Um, and if you'd like to give and be a part of it again, none of us that are hiking are getting any money of, off of this. It's going straight to Mana, but you can go to Hallmark's website uh, and, and read more about it. You can follow our journey on Hallmark social media or on Manor Worldwide. Go to their Facebook and like that, uh, and then you can follow that. All right, so, hey, I appreciate you being here. Open your Bibles, all right, whether that's on, you know, like you have a physical Bible 
paper, print, or maybe you have your iPad or iPhone. If you are, you know, on digital media looking at your Bible right now, I would encourage you, you probably are using the YouVersion Bible app. And if you are, uh, you can look on the YouVersion Bible app. There's event page there. You can search for events. Uh, hallmarks will come up. And everything that's in the bulletin, this outline here, is on YouVersion. You can make your own notes there as well. Uh, and then also on the YouVersion app, uh, on the Hallmark event page, uh, it is also in Spanish for you, if that is easier for you to follow along uh, in Spanish, all right? Now, we left off last week. Ben did a great job giving us the first two weeks overview of our series so far. Long story short, we've been creation, chaos, today is covenant. Next week, Pastor Dave is going to talk about Christ. And then the next week after that, Pastor Israel is going to talk about the church. And last week, we left off in, in uh, Genesis chapter number 3. Genesis chapter 3, we left off in verse number 13. And verses 14 and 15 are very critical, important, valuable verses that really, as we talk about the long story short, that really gives us a picture of the entire Bible. And you notice that the, really the big three events of the five that we're talking about all take place in Genesis. And so when we think about this verse 14 and 15, I'm going to give you this big word for some of you brainy people out there that like knowledge, uh, and I don't even know how to pronounce it, all right? But here it is. It's Proto-Evangelium, all right? If you want me to spell it for you, I will. P-R-O-T-E-V-A-N-G-E-L-I-U-M. Big word, and what it means, very simple, first gospel. Okay, so in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, we've seen creation, we've seen chaos that ensued because of sin. And in verse 14 and 15, because now creation, remember we talked about creation, that God created us so that we could walk in love and we could walk in holiness with him. As soon as Adam and Eve removed themselves from the authority of God and the tree of life, and they came over here to the tree of knowledge and good and evil, and they ate the forbidden fruit. They now said, we want to be our own authority. We're in control. And as soon as they did that, they went from walking in love and holiness with God to now walking in fear and shame because of their sin. And in verse 14, we see the first need and also the first mention of the gospel. Understand this, when, when sin came into the world, when God created Adam and Eve with a, with a choice, a free will, choose life or choose your own life. Choose to walk with God in holiness and love or choose to walk in fear and shame and sin. It's your choice. When they made that choice, do you realize that it did not surprise God? God wasn't sitting there, you know, because we talked about creation when God said, let us make man in our image, referring to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, God didn't all of a sudden get with the Holy Spirit and Jesus and say, man, what are we going to do now? I didn't see it coming. It didn't surprise God. And let me show, show you how I know it didn't surprise God. Look at verse number 14. Remember, God came to them, and in, in verse 12, when he confronted Adam, Adam said, it's her fault. He blames Eve. Then he confronts Eve, and she says, it's the serpent's fault. And here's God's response. So the Lord, the Lord verse 14, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his feet, or his heel. He shall bruise or crush your head. This is what is known as the first 
gospel. Understand it's the first need for the gospel because sin has now entered. And because of sin, as was already mentioned this morning, this sin separated what they could, they had fellowship. They walked in the garden. Now because of sin and because God is holy, God can't allow sin into his presence. And so now there's separation. Now there's fear. Now there's shame. And, and there needs to be, and so God comes to them. There now needs to be an atonement for those sins. There now needs to be a covering for those sins. There needs to be a payment made. And so I love this statement, and let me read it for you, talking about, so when we think about this statement, verse 15, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. And in, this is the only time in Scripture, here in verse 15, this is the only time in Scripture when you talk about offspring or a child or the next generation that it's referencing the seed of the woman instead of the man. This is the only time in history or the only time in the Bible that it mentions this. But here's what it talks about. I love this commentary. It says this. To the old covenant people, all right? So we're going to talk about covenant this morning. We talk about old covenant. You know, it's the big portion of your Bible, the old, what we call the Old Testament. Okay, in the Old Testament is covering the old covenant. So what did this statement, the first gospel, mean to all the Old Testament followers? Here's what it meant. It was the first beacon of hope. It was the first mention that there is going to be one that comes that's going to redeem mankind. It was, it was hope. Sin entered into the world. Before sin entered the world, we didn't, we, there wasn't something that we had to look forward to to get hope. We, there was nothing we needed to be redeemed from. Because now there is sin. Thank you, Adam and Eve, right? And, and before we get too judgy on them, we make the same decision every single day. And because of sin, we needed hope. We needed a redeemer. We need someone to make that atonement. And this is the first mention prophesying of the one Jesus who would come and be the Redeemer. But what did this statement, this proclamation mean to Satan? It was God's declaration of war to Satan. And, and if you read through the Bible, you're going to find out that God wins the war. Satan will be defeated. That's why John would say, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. If, if you have Jesus in your life, you have everything you need to defeat Satan. Can, you, can we say amen to that? All right. What did it mean to Eve and, and to the rest of mankind? To Eve, it was the assurance that God had forgiven her. And it was also a reminder that there is going to be a redeemer, Jesus, that comes from Eve, from her line. Now, the next few verses in verses 16 through 19 uh, talk about um, the consequences of their sin. Now, and so I just want to point out real quick, uh, sometimes we get confused that if we repent and God forgives, that God uh, will, kind of erases all of our consequences. That's not always the case. Okay? Sin brings consequences. Our choices bring consequences, right? You can choose your choices, but you can't choose your consequences, right? And just because I say I'm sorry doesn't mean the person I hit doesn't have a black eye anymore, right? It doesn't mean that I'm not going to go to the principal's office for that. I'm not speaking from experience at all, all right? So verse 20, though, let's skip down to verse 20 because it's important. And God and Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Remember, they uh, immediately when they went from walking in holiness and love with God, they sinned. Immediately, now they're walking in fear and shame. They went and hid 
in the trees that God created, like God wasn't going to know where they were hiding. They hide in the trees. God comes to them. They covered themselves with fig leaves, remember? And now to, God is, is providing a better covering for their sin. And all, this is the first mention of this, and every time after this, all throughout the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, that there was always, sin always led to death. And for, for there to be a covering of the sin, it always led to death. So in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, you see the first picture here in Genesis chapter 3, that, that the first death takes place. The animal is sacrificed to make a covering for Adam and Eve so they could still have a relationship with God. And you're going to see that over and over in all the sacrifices of the Old Testament all the, the, the different types of sacrifice and the, the burnt offering and the sin offering. And you can read, read all about that in Leviticus. We're not going to take time to get into all that this morning. But sin always leads to death. But understand that all throughout the Old Testament and all throughout this, this covenant that God made, every year at the Day of Atonement when they would, 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 would sacrifice a lamb and there would be shed blood that would make an atonement, a payment, but it was only a temporary payment for the covering of the sin of the people. It removed their guilt, but it did not lead them into holiness. It was a temporary and insufficient sacrifice. The reason it's insufficient is because although the animal didn't, cannot disobey the commands of God, because it's an animal, it also can't obey the commands of God. And so the permanent, complete sacrifice had to be from a human who could disobey the commandment but chose not to, and who could keep all the commandments and did. Again, this is all the first gospel pointing to Christ. All right, so God makes a covering for them. As we walk through uh, the, the account in Genesis, God removes them from the garden. And from that moment on, they have more kids, and their kids have kids, and their kids have kids. And for generations, instead of moving towards relationship with God, you find out that, that the people moved away from God. And in Genesis chapter 7, right, I always get these confused. So kids, maybe you can help me. Um, did Noah, was, was Noah in the well? Kids, is that right? Noah in the well? Yes or no? Was, who was in the well? Who is it? Jonah, that's right. How many of you like me get him mixed up? Like, I'm still in my mind thinking, wait, are they right? <laughs> yeah, Jonah in the well. What, so what was Noah known for? What did he build? The ark, that's right. Does anybody know how long it took him to build that ark? How many say 20 years? Who says 20 years? Did you say 40 years, Adeline? Is that what you said? Who says 50 years? Raise your hand. You guys are not participating, right? How many of you think it was longer than 50 years? Raise your hand. How many of you adults don't even know? You're not going to raise your hand, right? 120 years. 120 years it, it took him to build the ark. But why was, no, why was he building the ark? 
Because God was going to destroy all of mankind because mankind continued to walk away from God. Mankind continued to not walk in love and holiness and relationship with God. They continue to make the choice that we've been talking about the last three weeks. They continue to make this choice that I'm going to be my boss. I'm going to do it how I want. And because I want to do it, well, that's the way I'm going to do it. And before we, again, point our fingers at our forefathers for their poor choices. Look, be self-reflective today. Because if I'm going to be honest with you this morning, and, and most of the time I try to do that, many times in my own life, I want to live in my own authority and make my own choices and do what I want to do. And so God destroys the world by the flood. And Noah's three boys. And, and they procreate as a God has told them to do. And guess what? Their kids and their kids and their kids, they did the same thing. Instead of pursuing God and walking in holiness and love with God, their creator, they chose to live for themselves. And in Genesis chapter 12, is where we're going to pick up this morning, Genesis chapter number 12, we see what is mentioned here, this, what we're talking about this morning is the covenant. This is the old covenant. We will be talking in the next weeks about the new covenant. But the old covenant, as, as the nation, as the world, uh, went farther and farther away from God. In fact, if you read about Abram, which maybe we know as Abraham, before his name was Abraham, it was Abram. And before God came to Abraham, which we're going to read about here in Genesis chapter number 12, God did, not, God did not come to Abraham because Abraham was worshiping God. Okay? In fact, what you read in the Bible is that, God, that Abraham, or Abram at the time, was worshiping the moon, the God of the moon. Okay? They had their own gods that they had created. Again, they're walking out of relationship with God, not towards relationship with God. And here's what, when God approached Abram, who's worshiping false gods, not the true God, this is what God says. Now, verse, uh, verse 1, Genesis 12. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to the land I will show you. And so God comes, a God that Abram is not worshiping, and says, get out of your country, get your family, go. Doesn't tell him where he's going to go, he just tells him to go. Now, some of us men in here, we're okay with that. We're okay with not having all the details. Okay, go, go that direction, I go. Now, I'm wondering what this conversation went, was like when Abram went to his wife Sarai and said, hey, the Lord said we're supposed to pack up and go. I'm not sure how well that would have went. But because Abram had faith in the Lord... And because his wife apparently also has faith in the Lord, let's see what they do. All right, verse number two, I will make you, God, this is the covenant. God says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make you, your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. So let's just pause for a moment here. And I don't want to get all political on us this morning, but here is why any time that we can stand with the nation of Israel is why we should stand with the nation of Israel. Because God says, this is really clear, this is, a, this is a promise given to those who would bless Abram. And so we understand from Abram comes the nation of Israel, okay, the Jewish people. And so when God says here, if I will curse those who curse you, your nation, then I will bless those who bless 
you, it seems really clear what, where I would want to stand as far as blessing or cursing the nation of Israel. Verse number four. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So 75 years old, the Lord comes to him. The Lord, he's not worshiping at the time. And the Lord says, pack your stuff up, go. I'll tell you where you're going to go when you get there. And Abram goes to his wife. They do exactly what God says. They pack up and they go. And then God made this seal of this covenant. The covenant of I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make a great nation of you. And I'm going to, uh, your descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky, like the sand on the sea. And that, that um, was circumcision. And this sign of circumcision that now uh, Abraham would be a sign or a seal of this covenant. And, and look at your bulletin. Here's what it says. This was a physical cutting away that represented a spiritual cutting away. This was a physical cutting away that represented the spiritual cutting away. And we understand that as, uh, as Abram made this decision to walk in obedience, to walk in faith, that the, the circumcision was a physical representation of a spiritual decision that he had made. He makes the spiritual decision to follow and pursue the Lord. And then God gives this physical symbol or symbolism of this surrender. God, I'm all yours. And Paul would write about that. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 4, and you probably don't have time to turn there. We're going to read it real quick, but I'll read it for you to be on the screen this morning. Romans 4 verse 1 says, What then shall we say, that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham, or Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. What led to righteousness for Abraham was not any kind of action on his part. It was faith in the Lord. The same thing Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 4. For by grace you are saved through faith. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should what? boast, which is exactly what Paul wrote in Romans about Abraham. Look, it's not about Abraham's goodness. It's not about this, this, this choice he made. It's not about anything other than his faith in the Lord. And because Abraham placed his faith in the Lord, it was accounted to him as righteousness. And if it was because Abraham was so good, then what would he do about it? We just read in Romans, he would boast. The same thing Paul would say in Ephesians, that we're not saved because of our good works. Listen, we're not saved because we come to church every Sunday morning and give our tithes and offerings. The reality is you cannot be good enough to get to God. The only way, Paul would say, is by grace you're saved through faith. Okay, By grace through faith. And so God makes this covenant. And we're, we're going through a lot of history, right, this morning and trying to do it quickly. So Abraham, and we've heard this statement, right? All throughout the Bible, you'll see, you'll see the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You'll hear that over and over again, right? So Abraham has this covenant with God. God says, live in obedience, and I will, I will bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. I will bless those who bless you. And, and then he has his son. Then he has a son. And God makes the same covenant with them. It's like this affirmation. He comes to them and says, look, hey, are you signing up for what your dad signed up for? Yes, we sign up. We're going to sign up. And, and then if you remember, Jacob 
So we have Abraham who has Isaac, Isaac who has Jacob, and Jacob's name is changed. God changes his name, Jacob, to Israel. Okay, so here we get the nation of Israel. Israel, uh, Israel or Jacob, has a son, Joseph. And remember, Joseph was the favorite son, had the coat of many colors, and he, his brothers hate him. He ends up in Egypt. And then years later, when there's a drought uh, in his family's land, they move to where? Egypt. And there was about 70 Israelites that moved to Egypt. And then years later, there's thousands of Israelites, right? And because there's so many of them, the nation of Egypt puts them in bondage and slavery. And they cry out to God. God comes and rescues them and brings them out of that place. Okay, so that's a lot of history. But on the night that they would be freed from Pharaoh in Egypt, on that night was the last plague. Remember all the plagues? And, and the kid's probably better at, at uh, telling us what the plagues are than I could tell you right now. They go through all the plagues, and the last plague is the death of the firstborn son. And God came to Moses, and God told Moses that you need to kill an animal, the lamb, a spotless lamb, and you need to put the blood over the doorposts and the sides of the door on the outside of the house, and this blood will, will be a covering for your house. So you see the picture here all the way back to Genesis chapter number 3 when sin entered into the world and there was an animal that was killed to provide a covering for Adam and Eve. And here at the Passover, so God tells Moses, uh, kill, the, kill the lamb, put the blood over it. When the angel comes to your house and sees the blood, what will the angel do? He will pass over and, and your, your kids will be saved. Aren't you thankful for the message that God gave to, message, uh, to Moses? Moses gave to the people, and they lived in obedience. If they did what God told them to do, the angel would pass over, and their family would be saved. And because of that night, Pharaoh had had enough, and he sends the Israelites out and their freedom. Okay, Again, so all of this history to point to this reality. God always and created us to live in relationship with him. But sin, because of Adam and Eve, that's been passed to us, that sin separates us from God. And all throughout the covenant, all throughout the Old Testament, time and time again, and again, if we, if we had time, we'd go through all the sacrifices. So on the Day of Atonement, they would make a sacrifice, and it would, it would be a covering, but it would be a temporary covenant for the nation of Israel, just like we see in the Passover. In Exodus chapter 20, Exodus chapter 20, if you want to turn there. And of course, in Exodus chapter 20, if you're familiar, you know, so we got Genesis, next book is Exodus. You know that in Genesis, or Exodus chapter 20, is the Ten Commandments. Now, what is the purpose of the Ten Commandments? The purpose of the Ten Commandments was to point to our reality that we cannot live up to God's standard. There's no one in here that has fulfilled all Ten Commandments without fail. There's none of us that have lived a perfect life. Most of us probably daily mess up on one of the Ten Commandments, okay? Uh, hopefully, there's one or two in there that we've never done, right, and we won't ever do. But some of them we do every single day. I told you about it last week when I talked about my truck, and I coveted somebody else's truck. 
Verse 1 of Exodus chapter 20, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. So there on your outline, law number one. Make God the priority. Make God your priority. The covenant that God made with Abraham was a covenant of priority. What God wanted from Abraham and the nation of Israel is that they would have no other gods before them. That they would follow him and follow him only. Because what God wanted to happen was God wanted to bless the nation of Israel so much because they were living in obedience that every other nation would want to follow that God. Because that God has been so good to the nation of Israel. Unfortunately, the nation of Israel didn't keep God as their priority. Can we just stop for a moment and as we think about the nation of Israel and how they failed to live with God as their priority, can we just pause for a moment the story and and reflect on our own life? How about you this morning? How about you this past week or this past month? Could, could we honestly, could you honestly say this morning, yes, God is my number one priority? Because Jesus talked about that in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 6. No one can serve two masters, for he will hate the one and love the other, or be faithful one and despise the other. The nation of Israel failed to live as God as their priority. And they fell in this cycle, this pattern of sin, which is on your bulletin this morning. And I'll give it to you. This pattern that just continually over and over. So all throughout the Old Testament, you're going to see over and over the same pattern, the same thing that happens. It's the same thing that happened before Abraham and it happened after Abraham. The nation of Israel, number one, sinned. They sinned. And let's, let's, let's really just kind of nail this down or just maybe simplify this this morning, is that they chose to walk away from a closer relationship with God. That's what happens when we sin. Now, as a follower of Jesus, I've given my life to Christ, and nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can take my salvation away from me. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 14 says that I was sealed until the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. So I don't have to fear losing my salvation, but I have to understand that when I choose to not obey the commands of God, or when I choose to disobey the commands of God, then I'm hurting my relationship with God. I'm making a choice to walk out of fellowship with God. Sin. Number two, service. The blank there is service. In other words, uh, they would sin. They would walk away from relationship with God. God would put them into service. That's a nice way of saying that he would make another nation control them. Okay, and now they were going to be another word for that could be better word maybe is that they were now living in servitude. They were subjected to do whatever the other authority told them to do. God would use, oftentimes in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, he would use other nations, oftentimes, most oftentimes, pagan nations, to bring the nation of Israel to wake up. And they would wake up, and number three, they would do what? Supplication. Cry out to God, oh God, help me. God, we've messed up. God, we did it again. God, I'm sorry. And then God would bring salvation. He would restore them. He would redeem them. And this pattern happened over and over 
and over again. There's a sad statement there on your outline, right under number four. It says this act of repentance became a religious ritual rather than a true act of worship or a true act of repentance. And I wonder this morning if some of us today are not in the same pattern that the nation of Israel is in. That we sin, we get ourselves in trouble, our circumstances are overwhelming, we cry out to God, He helps us through it, and then we go back to the same pattern. It really reminds me, and again, this, this is a, re- a repeated pattern all throughout the Old Testament. It made me think of, you know, a few weeks ago we were in Amos. So, so turn to Amos with me real quick. The, the scripture will be on the screen. Amos chapter number 5, verse 21. Because this is what this pattern is highlighting. The pattern that we just went through, sin, service, supplication, salvation. This highlights that in verse 21 of Amos chapter 5. God is talking through Amos to the people of Israel. I hate, I despise your feast days. I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. Nor will I regard your uh, fattened peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs. Doesn't that sound harsh? I don't want to listen to your music. I don't want to watch you worship. I don't want to be a part of your church service. And then he says, for I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments, verse 24, but let justice run down like water and righteous like a mighty stream. And then he asks this like hypothetical question. The reason God is saying, I don't accept your worship and I don't like your worship service and I don't accept your offerings and I'm not going to hear your songs. This is why. Verse 25, he asks this question. Did you offer me sacrifices and offerings in the wilderness for 40 years, O house of Israel? So God is saying, you know, I I rescued you, you cried out to me, you had the supplication, I brought salvation, I brought you out of Egypt, and for 40 years you wandered in the wilderness, and and yeah, you worshipped me, you kept all the religious activity, you showed up for church, but he goes on, you also carried Sicketh, your king, and Chime, your idols, the star of your gods, which you made for yourselves. You see, what God is concerned about is the priority of our heart. So just showing up at church on Sunday morning and giving your offering and singing the songs does not impress God at all. And if you think showing up here this morning impressed God, you're wrong. If you think that God's impressed by me getting up here and holding this big, big Bible, you're wrong. What God desires is a broken spirit and a contrite heart. God is impressed most when we live in humility, in service. God, you are my priority. I want to serve you, and I want to serve you alone. Now, I think it's important for you to come to church every morning, to give your offering, but only if God is first place in your life. Because if God is not first place in your life, then it's pointless. It really is. If God's not first in your life, you'd be better off sitting at home this morning.
What God is looking for is a broken spirit and a contrite heart. So it's, it's this morning an opportunity for us to evaluate. It's always, most of the time it's good to evaluate. I mean, it's always good to evaluate. It's just always not fun, is it? To evaluate. Am I walking in holiness and love with God? Or am I doing the same thing Adam and Eve did and I'm choosing not to live under the authority of God but my own authority? And the, and the truth is this morning, there's, there's two types of people in the audience this morning. There's some of us that maybe you're like me. And, and, you know, I gave my life to Christ when I was younger. And I've tried most of the time to live for him since that point. But there's been a lot of days and weeks and maybe months and periods of time in my life when God has to slap me across the face and say, wake up. Your priorities are all messed up. They, they may even be good priorities, it's just not the right priorities. If, if God is not number one in my life, it doesn't matter how much I get up here and preach. If God is not number one in my life, it doesn't matter how well I serve you as a church. Because my first priority is not to the church, my first priority is to God. And I'll never serve you like I'm supposed to serve you unless I'm walking in relationship with God. And, and let's just be honest, whether you've been a Christian a week or a long time, there's, there's, there's periods of time when, when we go, we're going through the motions. Could you nod your head like, yeah, that's true? Okay, let's, if we all do it, we won't feel like it's, you know, just us. And, and so maybe for you this morning, you're living in one of those times. And, and can I just tell you, the best thing for you to do, to do right now, if God has revealed to you, hey, yeah, you're going through the motions, but it, it's meaningless. You need, to, you need to reconnect with me. You need to get your heart right. The only, the only solution for that, for you, is to repent. Turn back to God and let God restore you. And I'm going to challenge you. In a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a, a song. And I'm going to ask you to, if that's you this morning, walk down here and repent. I know you can do it at your seat. I think it's more valuable for you to come down here. And the reason why, it's not because this is, you know, like necessarily holy ground. The reason why is because probably sometimes the reason we don't walk down here is because we're, we have pride. And if I, if I choose to walk out and get down here and pray, then everybody knows, oh. Can I tell you something? Pride will destroy you. And so if it's pride from keeping you walking down here, then don't even pray your seat. Because God's not going to hear a prideful heart. So the second type of person here this morning is a person that's never had a relationship with God. And I've got great news for you this morning. The story of the Bible, the story from creation to chaos to covenant, it's going to be, I'm giving you a spoiler alert, next week is Christ. And all this temporary covering, all this temporary sacrifice, the temporariness is going to go away when Jesus shows up. We just talked about in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, the prophecy. Jesus shows up, and not only is the sacrifice sufficient, but it's permanent, and it's for all. And so for you today, if you've never had a relationship with God, God has been pursuing you. 
And the reason you're here this morning is because God wants you to know he loves you. He loves you so much he sent his son Jesus to, to hang on a cross, to die for your sins, so that he could make the covering, the payment for your sins that is sufficient, that is permanent, so that you can walk in fellowship and love and holiness with God your creator. And what I'm going to challenge you to do this morning in a moment when we stand is that if you would like to give your life to Christ, you would like for Christ's payment to be put on your account so you could walk in love and holiness with God, your creator, there's going to be men and women down here standing. We're going to, we would love to open up the Bible and show you how to walk in love and holiness with God. And so when we stand in a moment, if God has asked you to do that, don't worry about people looking around. Just walk down here, shake somebody's hand and say, I want to walk with Christ. Would you close your eyes this morning with me? So the two types of people, how are you going to respond? Those of us who've been walking with Christ for a while, maybe a little out of step right now, are you going to repent? Are you going to cross your arms and walk out of here the same way? It's your choice. I, I can't choose it for you. For those of you maybe this morning that have never walked in a relationship with God, you also have a choice. Will you decide to walk down this morning, shake someone's hand and say, I want to walk with Christ. Can I promise you something? You'll never regret that decision. It's a decision that will give you purpose in life, love of Christ in your life, and love of Christ for all eternity. Would you stand with me this morning as I pray? God, we are blessed to be here today. Lord, we are thankful for the covenant you made to Abraham. Lord, we're thankful this morning that, that we can have forgiveness of sins, that we can repent, that we can turn to you. And Lord, I pray this morning for those in here this morning that are walking out of step with you, Lord, that they would make the decision right now to repent, to walk in fellowship with you. Lord, for those in the room this morning that have never given their life to you, they've never walked in relationship with you through Jesus, that you would give them the boldness to step out this morning and give their life to you. This morning as we close our service in worship, again, it's a familiar hymn. Let's just worship. The altar is open if you'd like to come and pray this morning. Parents, if you want to take your, bring your kids down and, and just pray at the altar with them this morning, you're welcome to do that. If you'd like to talk to someone and pray with someone, we're up here. That's what we're here for. Let's worship together as a church family today.